2018? <laughs> awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Turn to your neighbor and say, I feel okay. I feel okay right now after that. I feel all right after that. I feel good. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Hey, welcome to our new series that we are entitling. Sorry that we are entitling Before the Thunder, Before the Thunder. Uh, Dan Reynolds, the front man for Imagine Dragons, he wrote that line and he said, um, I'm not a yes sir, I'm not a follower, fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer, take your number. He said, I'm not that. He said, I was lightning before there was thunder. And what he's saying there is that there was something inside of him when he was a kid even, there was an energy inside of him, there was a calling inside of him, and long before he faced crowds of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, long before people felt the thunder from his life, there was a lightning inside of him. And for those of you who know uh, whether you know that lightning always precedes thunder, it actually happens simultaneously. It happens at the same time. But because of the speed of light, we see the lightning before we experience the thunder. And what lightning is essentially is it's heat breaking through the air. And when it does, it, it heats up the particles and they vibrate. And so that's the crackle and the, the crack and the thunder that you feel, the rattle that you feel from thunder. And there's a whole bunch of people in this room, in this generation, so watching online. There's people sitting in their seats at home right now. And there is something in you. There is an energy in you. There is a lightning, if you will, in you. And long before anybody ever gets to hear the rumble from it, there's something in there that is just waiting to bloom. And so what do you do with the moments before your moment? What do you do with the time and the space and the energy that you feel inside of you before your moment? What do you do with all of that movement in your life before you actually experience your moment? That's what this series is about. How do you steward all of that? Do we have any soccer fans in here? Soccer fans? Awesome. Uh, I played college soccer one year, D2. Don't worry. It was like, I was pretty terrible. But, um, but... I love playing soccer, but here's the deal. Actually, watching soccer is a little bit like watching grass grow, you know? Like, you're kind of like, oh, man, this is like a long time watching a game. And the deal with soccer, the deal with soccer is that it is, it is excellence, and it is energy, and it is momentum, and it is lightning for 90 minutes. It is patience, and it is integrity, and it is power in every single pass and in every single move. And yet the only thing that people remember is what? A goal. Where they're like, goal. And, you know, and somebody like rips off their shirt, and they, then they do the, you know, the airplane thing. No, that's all that people remember. And so listen, what the point of what I say when I say that is that there is an energy in you, there is a lightning in you, and God wants you to manage that long before you experience the outbreak of the thunder afterwards. God wants you to know how to manage your lightning before anybody else experiences or hears a word about your life. And so how are you managing your time right now? How are you managing your world right now? How are you managing your energy and your space and your mouth? How are you, uh, how are you managing all of that before you get to experience your moment? Because it's 2018, right? And probably everybody in here, you wrote down goals and hopes and ambitions. You wrote down the things that you're imagining for your 2018. And more likely than not, they are measurable, right? It's like, well, I hope to lose 15 pounds this year. 
And this year, I'm, you know, I'm hoping to maybe take this amount of classes. I'm going to take X amount of classes. And maybe this year, I'm going to go on X amount of dates, right? Like, that's my goal. One date, God. Just one. That's my goal, right? But more likely than not, your goal this year, your ambition this year, the things that you are thinking of doing in your life, they are measurable. And what I feel like God wants to talk to you about tonight is that what he would like to do in your life in 2018 actually can be measured. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 3.20. If not, just write it down in your notes. Ephesians 3.20, it says this. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in his church and in Christ Jesus throughout all of the generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to do things in our lives, church. He wants to do things in his church. He wants to do things in the city. He wants to do things in his people. And the only way, listen, the only way that his Holy Spirit works is in an immeasurable way. And so turn to your neighbor today and say, press down and shaken over. And I titled tonight, Immeasurable, if you're taking notes. If you're taking notes, just write down Immeasurable. And let's invite God into this moment. God, we thank you for every single person in here. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this room, that's in every single person. And God, I pray that tonight there would just be breakthroughs in people's spirits, that there would be a shift in this room, in every single person's heart, that those who walked in weary would walk out awake that those who walked in burdened would walk out alive. That those who walked in feeling downcast and downtrodden would walk out with hope. And not just that, but an immeasurable amount of hope, God. We know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you steward this moment. God, we know that your Holy Spirit is the power that is enveloping the church even as we pray. I thank you for the work that you are going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We are a generation, uh, we are a people group, we are a world that loves to measure. We love to measure. This is how we quantify people in our world. This is how we quantify athletes. If you watch the game on Saturday night, Alabama versus Georgia, right? And there's some booze. It's fine. Some, are, some of you are excited. No matter which way you fall, though, you were probably watching the athletes, and the way that those athletes are looked at and the way that we assess the athlete is by their measurements. And so you will see the athlete pop up, and then it will have his height and his weight. It will have um, maybe the yards attempted and the yards completed. It will have the amount of touchdowns and the amount of um, interceptions. And the whole reason we do this is to assess the player because we want to measure them. We want to quantify them in some way, shape, or form. We are a world that loves to measure. Um, if if you are in school right now, probably the number one thing that people are asking you has to do with, you know, what are you going to study? And then right after that, how's your GPA, right? And you're like, oh, just don't tell my mom, you know? <laughs> For those of you who have been in the church world, you know that if somebody asks about a church, they'll be like, oh, well, tell me about the church. And the very first thing that you want to know is, well, what's the attendance of that church? What's the numbers attached to that church? See, we are a world that is obsessed with measuring and trying to quantify people and measure things. 
And this is not the first time, uh, this is not a new thing. This has been going on for generations and generations. It says this in 1 Samuel uh, 9, verse 2. It says, Kish had a son named Saul as a handsome man, um, as could be found anywhere in Israel. Okay, People Magazine in Israel, sexiest man alive, it was Saul. (laughs) And he was a head taller than anyone else. And this was how they measured him. We love measurements. I played volleyball, I played club, and then I played high school volleyball as well. And I was a right outside hitter, and I'm uh, five foot five. And someone with some generous uh, spirit should have come up to me and been like, look, I know that um, you think this is a good position for you, but you don't have much of a vertical. And so you being a right outside hitter isn't ever really going to work out for you. But nobody ever did that. They were like, well, you're a passionate kid, and they like, let me do it. And so I was right outside hitter, but I was kind of short, right? And the thing that you would do in high school sports is you would warm up in front of each other, okay? And so uh, if you were the home team, then you got to choose the playlist that you warmed up with. And I grew up in a great time and in a great place. And so our, our, our warm-up album had Missy Elliott on it and had <laughs> Foo Fighters because I grew up during a time when music actually meant something, people. And... <laughs> And so that would be playing, right? And then you would come out and you would do a series of drills where you'd hit or you'd serve and you'd do it in front of the other team. And honestly, this was kind of a moment of reckoning for both teams where they were trying to perform their very best in order to intimidate the other team. Really, this is what we were trying to do. On top of that, though, they would announce players from the starting, whoever was starting, and they would announce the players. And as they were announcing the players, they would um, announce their name and then they would announce their Hi. And so they'd be like, and here's Becky Johnson, five foot eleven, you know, and she'd be like, poof, like on the ten foot line, and you're like, oh my gosh, is she from Wonder Woman and the Amazon girls or something? Like, oh I'm scared, you know? And then and then they'd be like, and then they'd be like, oh, and here's, you know, um, Bianca Johnson, and, and she comes up and she's like, pew, and she's like, you know, and they're like, oh, and she's like six foot. And if a girl was six foot, it was like, oh, dang. You know, like, it was just like, oh, no, you know? It, it was an automatic intimidation factor there for me. Like, the, the moment you hit the six, six foot mark, I was like, I don't know. Like, should I just hide? But I don't know. And so, so they, they, at the beginning of the year, the guy that was announcing, like, all of our, you know, all of our heights, he goes, Jess, Jess, come over here. You know, go ahead and tell me your height. And I did what any self-respect future pastor would have and I lied <laughs> and I go oh hey man oh five eight but then I go I know man it's just it's the lighting in the room and don't worry about it you know and he's like okay you know and I lied I lied because we live in a world that adds value to or takes away value from based on its measurement of you based on the stats, based on the numbers, and I think we do this as a generation, I think we do this as a society, because I think the stats and the figures and the probabilities, it makes us feel like we have a little bit of a hold on what's gonna happen in that person's future, or we have a little bit of a hold on what's gonna happen uh, for that company's future. We wanna have some type of sense of control, of you know, so that we can say, oh, I told you so. Oh man, did you see that stock blow up? Man, I've been following the numbers, and I told you so, I told you that stock was, going to blow up. I told you. I've been watching the numbers. Oh, man, did you see that that housing market, it just burst? Man, I told you. I've been watching the numbers. You know, I've been watching the stats, and I told you so, man. Oh, for the fellas in the room, you listen to your sports talk radio. You're like, oh, I knew that that quarterback was going to start next Thursday. I told you so. I've been watching his stats. 
Something in us wants to believe that we can quantify and that we can measure and that we can predict some outcome based on the way that things are measuring up. And so they looked at Saul as a, a pack of Israelites, this man Saul, who was the very first king, and they looked at him and they said, oh, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect because he's a head taller above everybody else. He's perfectly handsome, and so he's king material. I told you so. You see how far he could throw a spear. It's amazing. <laughs> and yet God, he looks at us and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing when you do this? What are you doing when you try to measure everybody and when you try to quantify everyone and when you try to put figures on everybody? In fact, he says this in 1 Samuel 16. It said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance. People look at numbers. People look at measurements. People look at stats. But the Lord looks at the heart. And this is what God is saying in this moment. He's saying, look, I don't look at things the way the world looks at things. I don't look at things the way CNN looks at things. I don't look at things the way that, that, that sports talk radio looks at things. I look beyond what is measurable. And there's an author, a writer that I was reading this week, and she said this quote. Her name is Rochelle Goodrich. She said, statistics, likelihoods, and probabilities mean everything to men. And they mean nothing to God. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from the book of Zechariah. Um, it is right before the New Testament. It is a minor prophet. And um, I honestly hadn't studied it much before this week. Zechariah grew up in Babylonian captivity. He was uh, born there, so he actually never knew Israel, even though he was a Jew, even though he was an Israelite. He never actually knew Israel as home. Jerusalem had been laid to rubble. The Babylonians had captured all of the Israelites or any of the Israelites that were left, and anybody else was scattered abroad. And so he grew up there. He grew up as a slave in captivity. But the Bible says that his name, Zechariah, that it means God remembered. And so if you are in here or you are watching online and you feel like God has forgotten you, maybe you should read Zechariah. Zechariah and a bunch of his friends, a pack of his friends, return from, the Babylonians let them go and let them return to Jerusalem. And they go with the ambition and with the call from God to rebuild the city, to rebuild Jerusalem. And he takes off with his friend. His name is Zerubbabel because they had awesome names. <laughs> and Joshua, and not Joshua that goes to take the promised land, but this is Joshua the high priest. And they leave and they take off to go rebuild what is left of Jerusalem. And as they do this, he receives, he's a prophet, so he receives visions from God and words from God. And some angels come to visit him. And this is where we pick up in Zechariah's story. It says in uh, chapter 2, And I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see its width and its length. So Zechariah is talking with an angel, and it says a man walks up. Now, this man is not a man. He is actually an angel. Now, angels cannot become human beings. It's impossible, but they can take human form. And so it says a man walks up, and it's actually an angel, and he has a measuring tape. And 
Zechariah is like, oh my goodness. Um, and in this moment, he uses an exclamation point. Exclamation points um, aren't used much in scripture because they weren't used in the original Hebrew. And what he's trying to connotate is how amazed he is and how in awe he is. He's like, oh, bud, there's not just one angel, there's, there's two. There's two of you. <laughs> and one of them's got a measuring tape. And I, that's weird. And the angel takes off and he starts measuring all of Jerusalem. And he starts measuring its length and its width. And as he's doing this, Zechariah begins to understand what he's doing. And what the angel is doing is he's, without even saying it, he wants to show Zechariah, I'm going to see if this city is big enough to hold the multitudes of people that are going to flood into this place. I want to see if this place is big enough to hold what God wants to do. And so I'm measuring it. And in this moment, Zechariah is like, oh my gosh. And this is crazy because Jerusalem is rubble. The only people that are living there are like maybe some hippies that moved in, you know, and there's like two of them and they've got their kid and they're like, this is so awesome. And it's like, oh, it's all rubble, but that's cool. You know, like they're from Boulder and like... <laughs> This is a classic Boulder joke. Sorry if you're from Boulder. And this angel is like measuring everything. And he's like, I got to see if it's big enough to hold what God's going to do here. This would be like one of you walking downtown right now and start measuring a dilapidated, dying church with maybe four congregants. And looking at the pastor and being like, hey, bud, I'm just measuring because I want to make sure that it can fit the population of Denver. And he's like, oh, okay. The angel, what he's saying to Zechariah's heart, he's, he's saying, I'm measuring this to see if it's big enough for what God wants to do. And the Bible says this. It goes on and it says, and behold, the angel who talked with me came forward and another angel came forward to meet him and said, run and say to that young man, meaning Zechariah, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and the livestock in it. And I will be her wall of fire around, declares the Lord, and I will be her glory in her midst. What he's saying in this moment, he says, go and run and tell Zechariah that what God is going to do actually can't be measured. Go and tell him. What God wants to do in our lives actually cannot be measured. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in my life actually cannot be measured. And Zechariah has a moment where he's receiving this word from the Lord and he is just showing disbelief and wonder. I wonder what your New Year's resolutions are this year. I wonder what you're penning down this year and what you're asking God to do. Maybe you're asking God, oh God, if I could just lose 15 pounds. God, my goal this year is to maybe drink more water or drink less of you know, not water. You know, like, <laughs> that's my goal. Like, I read the top. That was one of the top ones. Um, maybe for you, you've got these desires and your ambitions in your heart to start something. Maybe you feel like there's this pent-up energy and dream, and if it could only get out, if it could only manifest, if it could only become the thunder that you want it to become, maybe for you, it's getting into ministry. Maybe for you, it's having more influence. Whatever it is, what God wants you to understand this year and every year thereafter is that what you want can be written on paper.
and that what he wants can never be written on paper. It's beyond that. He's looking at your list, and he's like, oh, isn't that cute? <laughs> With your little, you got your little tape measure out. And that's so, that's really precious. So, so cute. I love what you're doing there. But what he wants to do in you and through you is immeasurable. He asked the angel, bring a measuring tape. And I think God does it. Because I'm like, why would you do this if, if you're just going to blow it out of the water? I think he does it to show that measuring is obsolete when it comes to the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask for or imagine according to his power at work within us. To him who is able to do immeasurably more in you and through you and for you. God says, I don't need a measuring tape with what I'm going to do in your life. I don't need goals for with what I'm going to do in your life. I don't need measurements because, listen, they won't count. I'm going to exceed them. I'm going to go beyond them. What I'm going to do is immeasurable. And he says, Zechariah, because Zechariah is a prophet, so this is his job. He says, go tell your people. Go tell your people what I'm going to do. And Zechariah only has, like, two people, right? It's like, he's got Joshua and he's got Zerubbabel. So he's like, all right, easy job. And he's like, Zerubbabel, bud, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I heard from the Lord. And don't you have, like, a friend who, like, always gets words from the Lord? I got a word, bud. I got a word for you from the Lord. Come here, bud. You know? And you're like, uh. And it's always, like, super grandiose and impossible. And you're like, I don't know, man. You said the angels were going to carry me over a railroad. I'm not really, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but you're like, Zerubbabel, come here, bud. Come here. Okay, okay. I heard a word from God, man. Okay. Saw one angel, right, but then another angel walked up, and he started measuring the city with some measuring tape. And then he said to me, he said, you know, that what God wants to do and the multitudes of people that God wants to bring into this place, that it actually, that it actually can't be measured and that God will be the walls around us. He will be a fire around us, and he will be a glory in the middle of our city. Isn't that amazing? And then Zerubbabel's like, wow, that is a, wow, what a vision from God. That is amazing. And he's like, yeah, but, and listen, we drew straws, and you're like the civic leader, so if you could just carry this out, you know, and he's like, oh, okay, you know, um, I remember a few years ago, we had moved from Golden, Red Rocks Church had moved from Golden up to Belmar, actually up here, there was an event center, and uh, we met there, and we grew from about 300 people during that time to about 1,000 people, and during that time, it was such a beautiful time of growth, um, but the event center came to us about seven months later, and they were like, look, um, we actually have to close doors, and we're canceling your lease, and the whole thing, and we had a thousand people in our church, and nowhere to put them, and we had a meeting, and all the pastors are sitting around, and I'm an admin, and so I'm like taking notes, right, and I'm like, okay, you know, and they're like, wait, I heard from the Lord, and the Lord said he's going to give us a space, and he's going to give us a building, and it's going to be amazing. And I heard from him, and Jess, find us a building, bud. The Lord's with you. And I was like, okay, right? <laughs> like, on it right now, going to do it, holy, you know? And I think Zerubbabel had a moment and how many of you in here are capable and talented? And so you hear a word from the Lord or you have a supernatural moment with the Lord and then you begin to work out what the Lord is wanting to do, but you are doing it in your own capabilities and in your own strengths and in your own talents. 
See, Zerubbabel was actually a civic leader. He was actually a city planner. And so he was fully capable of carrying out what it was that was given to him. He was at least somewhat capable, at least somewhat strong enough to carry out this task. And I think that sometimes when God wants to do the immeasurable in our lives, that he gets stopped up. He gets halted in our own lives because we are trying to accomplish for God what he can only accomplish through us. And we look at him and he says to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, I am going to do something through you, bud. I'm going to do miraculous things through you. I'm going to work in you and through you. And it's going to be amazing. And so what Zerubbabel hears is, this is what the Lord is going to do now. That's his will, and in your own abilities, go ahead and figure it out, bud. I mean, isn't this us? Isn't this you? Isn't this me? And I think what sometimes stops God's immeasurable work in your life is your ability. Spurgeon, at one point, he said, may our churches, may our congregants be a little bit inept so that they may rely always on the Holy Spirit. And God is looking at a generation of people and he's like, I don't need you to be more talented. I don't need you to be more effective. I don't need you to be more precise. I need you to be with me. I need you to remain in my spirit. And he knows, he knows that Zerubbabel is going to do this. He knows that he's going to rely on his own giftings and his own talents and his own abilities. And so the Lord is gracious enough. He knows our temptations, church. And so he's gracious enough. And he says this in Zechariah 4. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord for Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. See, might is, um, this word means the power of a group of people. So if you think of like the U.S. military and you think of all of their ammunition and all of their people and all of their, you know, different machines and vehicles that they have and how many push-ups they do in a year, like that's a lot of might. There's a lot of might. And he says, and not by power, and power connotates the effectiveness and the precision and the strength of an individual and he says listen Zerubbabel if you are going to do this if you are going to be responsible for bringing my people back from Babylon and you are going to be responsible for this vision from from God then it is not going to be by might it is not going to be by power it's going to be by my spirit what he wants to say to a whole bunch of you tonight is that it is not going to be by the might of a congregation even though I think you're pretty strong. It is not going to be by the power of you individually, even though I bet you have some gifts. It is going to be by his spirit, declares the Lord. So what about your 2018? What are the things that you wrote down? What are the things that you're wanting? Because God says, what I want to do in you, what I want to do through you, listen, it's not even there. It's bigger than that. It's immeasurable. 
And I think to release the Holy Spirit in that for the last little bit, this is what I'm going to talk about. For the last little bit, what I want to talk about is to release the Holy Spirit in our lives and to give him room to work in our lives. There are some things that we need to do as a group of people. And if we were to do this, this is how we initiate the immeasurable in our 2018 and thereafter. And the first thing is this, is we surrender our self-effort. We surrender our self-effort. How many of you grew up with gerbils or hamsters or anybody? Really? Okay, I had a bunch. That's cool. I killed a lot of them. Um, I had my very first gerbil was a gerbil named Jojo, and he died from a very tragic and, and sad story. Um, so I ended up getting another gerbil thereafter, and I named him Jojo Jr. because I was seven, right? And Jojo Jr. would have one of those little plastic balls that you would put, you know, him in, and then, and then he would kind of wheel around the house, and I'd be like eating cereal, and I'd be like, get your exercise, Jojo. So good, man, you know? And, uh, you know, if I forgot to block off the stairs, you would hear him, and he'd be like, I'd be like, oh no, you know, and I'd run down there and I'd be like, no, no, I'm so sorry, you know, and his little tongue would be hanging out and he'd be kind of passed out for a little bit. He's fine, he's fine. Moral of the story, he turned out okay, but like, but I was like, I got to do this different because it happened like all the time. And so we got like one of those little wheels that you stick into his cage, you know. And Jojo loved that wheel, man. He would get in there and do work. He would get in and he was like, nee, 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 you know, like for, for an hour, right? And they're nocturnal, so it was always like 3 a.m. and I'd be sleeping and I'd be like, okay, bud. And he's like, nee, 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 you know, like really early in the morning. And, um, but Jojo would work so hard in that thing and he would do work, he would do effort. He would work so hard and he wouldn't get anywhere. I wonder, though, I wonder tonight if this is what it feels like for you and for me in our self-effort. I wonder tonight if you feel like you have dreams and you have ambitions and you have goals, but listen, it doesn't matter because you're working as hard as you possibly can and you're not getting anywhere. I wonder if all of your, you know, inertia that you're putting into stopping that sin, it's not working. I wonder if all of your talent and your abilities to do that thing, that business, that, that goal, that school, that whatever it is, it's not working. In all of your self-effort, it isn't enough. And God's like, yeah, I know it's not enough. I created you with gifts and I created you with talents, but I never wanted you to operate apart from me. See, this is what it feels like when we operate out of ourselves. There's a word in the Bible that connotates our self-effort, and it's this word flesh. And it's everything that you are and I am apart from Christ. It is your self-reliance, it is my self-reliance, it is your self-effort, it is my self-effort, it is your self-justification and my self-justification, and it is in opposition to the Holy Spirit. You have three enemies in this world, the devil, the world, and your flesh, and one of them lives with you. And it's up to you whether you operate out of it or not. Galatians says this, it says, Galatians 3, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? What about receiving what you heard? He's saying, how would you get saved? Did you get saved on your own? Did you save yourself? Did you get up on a cross? Did you die? Oh, you didn't do any of that? Okay, cool. So you did it by, it was by the Spirit? Okay, cool. Are you so foolish 
after beginning by the means of the spirit are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh listen sometimes we begin by receiving salvation which is a free gift from God and an unmerited favor and in that moment we receive his Holy Spirit and then after that I mean we're kind of like the people who like get saved by lifeguards right Jesus is like I saved you and then you're like You can try to go swimming again by yourself. And he's like, whoa, wasn't my goal. I'm going to teach you how to swim. That cool, you know? <laughs> this is how we do our life sometimes. And God says, listen, you know, maybe he spoke to you and he gave you a vision for your life. Or maybe you were in worship and he gave you a dream. And it was a moment where you heard from God. And then he said, what began in the spirit can't end in your flesh. What began in the spirit can't be worked out in you has to be worked out in me. And so what would it look like if we were to abandon our self-effort? See, God wants to do immeasurably more in you and immeasurably more in me. But here's the hard part. You won't be able to do it. And so the only way that it's possible is by remaining in him. It says this in Philippians 2, not in your own strength, for it is God who um, is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both the will and, uh, um, and to work his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. He's saying, I don't just give you the ability, I give you the desire. Some of you are in here and you're like, I don't know how to flee from sin. Spend time in prayer. He's going to give you the desire and the strength. Some of you in here are like, I don't know how to achieve this dream. Spend time with Jesus. He's going to give you the desire and the strength, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And so what would your 2018 look like if you abandoned your self-effort, if you surrendered your self-effort? Number two, you surrender your imagination. You surrender your imagination. I am a person who loves dreams. I am a person who always is dreaming dreams. They just are, they're always there. It's constant, right? But listen to me. And dreams are good. Imagination is good. It's actually from the Lord. It is a God-given thing for you to have the ability to create and to imagine. But what God wants you to do and what he wants to do in you and through you cannot be done in what you can imagine. It is going to be beyond what you have planned. It is going to be on uh, what you have dreamed for yourself. Do you know that I never dreamed of working for a church? I always thought they were corrupt, honestly. And I always thought they were broken. And yet here I am. This is beyond what I would have dreamed. This is beyond what I would have imagined. And I love this because Proverbs says this about what um, our plans are. It says this in Proverbs 19. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And then Proverbs 16, 9 says this. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Listen, it is fine to dream great dreams, but here's what you need to do as soon as you dream them. You need to say, okay, Lord, here's what I thought of. I think it's pretty great. Um, I'm going to surrender it to you and let you do what you want to do in me and through me this year. I'm going to give it to you. I was listening to a podcast from Chris Kane a couple weeks ago, and she was talking about five-year plans. And I was like, oh, I want to hear about her five-year plan, right? So I, like, listened to it. And she's like, the very first thing she said is, I don't do five-year plan plans. And I was like, oh, bummer. I wanted to hear about your five-year plan, man. And she said, I don't do them. I don't do them because God always outpaces them. 
She says, I don't do them anymore. And she said, what I do now, and this stuck with my spirit, and it stuck with me so hard, and I hope it sticks with you tonight. She said, what I do instead is I sit before the Lord, and I allow him to work out his good will and his good pleasure in me. That's what I do. I don't do five-year plans anymore. And she said, because the Lord said that he would do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. And so what would it look like if you gave your dreams and you gave that hope and you gave that plan back to him? What would it look like if you abandoned your imagination? And the last point is this, is you stay in step with the spirit. So God goes to Zechariah. And he says, okay, now tell Zerubbabel that it's not going to be by his might of his people. And it's not going to be by his power in and of himself. It is going to be by my spirit. And I think Jesus wants us to understand that this is exactly how he wants us to operate in 2018. When Jesus got up on the cross and he died, he paid for the gift of our righteousness. And he gave us that gift in the form of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could live in him, we could live through him, so that we could have an advocate and a helper, so that we could always know. The Bible says in Romans 8, listen to this, that even when you do not know what to pray for, that the Holy Spirit is interceding with you, for you, with groans and with moanings, the things that you're longing for in your life, to get married, maybe to have babies, maybe it's to have a job, maybe it's to just be free. The Holy Spirit right now is interceding for you. He's talking to God for you. He's pleading with God on your behalf. And Jesus says this about the immeasurable life that he wanted every single disciple to have. In John 14, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. He says, I did some stuff. Do you understand what that text says? He said, I did some stuff while I was here. I healed some people. I, like, made some disciples. I planted a church. I, like, found the founder of the church. He's like, I did some stuff. But you are going to do immeasurably more than what I did. That's what John 14 says. And he goes on and he says this. He says, um, and anything you ask for in my name, I will do it. And I will, be, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever in spirit and in truth. Whom the world cannot receive because they neither see him nor know him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. God says, I'm going to do something immeasurable in you and it is going to be through the helper. I got an email a few weeks ago and it was so precious because this woman was like, she was attending YA and she goes, I want to know and I'm, I want to know what the Holy Spirit is, but I don't want to Google it because it seems too special. And I wrote her back and I was like, that's awesome because it's totally special. He's totally special. He's the third person of the triune God and he, if you are in here and you are saved, he lives in you. He was bought for you by Jesus when he died. And it is the Holy Spirit that is the creative work of God. In Genesis 1, um, the word is ra'ah, the word for spirit. And in Genesis 1, when God is creating everything, he does it through his breath, through his spirit. And he creates. In, um, gosh, Exodus 15, when the seas part and God opens doors and he parts the seas by his power. He does it by the ra'ah, by the spirit. 
In Ezekiel 35, when he takes dead bones and he makes them alive again, he does it through the ra'ah, through the spirit. And so God wants you to understand. And if everybody in here could stand. I just want to speak this over your life. I want to speak this over your 2018. God wants you to understand that in your year, in your life, and in your world, if God, if there is something in your life that needs to be created, if there is something in your life that needs to shake and move and come into existence, it will be by His Spirit. He wants you to understand that if you need seas parted, if you need a door opened, listen, that the Holy Spirit will be the only one able to open a door that no man can close or close a door that no man can open. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to know tonight that if you need something dead in your life brought back to life, that the only way that that will happen is through the ra'ah, not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. And so if you are in here tonight and with every head bowed and every eye closed and you do not know Jesus Christ. Listen, the only way that you receive the power of God is through the Son of God. The only way that you receive the Holy Spirit, the friend, the helper, the advocate is by accepting the free and gracious gift of Jesus getting up on a cross, dying for your sins, both past, present, and future, and paying for this gift of the triune God existing within your members and in your midst. And so if you are in here tonight and you just want to receive Jesus for the very first time, would you uh, throw your hand up real high in the air, real high in the air, and I want to pray for you. Amen, amen, amen. And if you're in here tonight and you want God to do immeasurably more than anything you could ask or imagine, he says, by he who is able and according to his power, at work within you. And if you want to just raise up a hand tonight, nice and high, and say, God, I surrender my self-effort. God, I abandon my plans. And God, I ask that you just keep me in step with you every single step this year. God, we thank you for every single person in here. God, I thank you for the people that received you as Lord and Savior tonight. God, you say that by your stripes we are healed. And so by you getting up on a cross, we receive the unmerited favor and grace of salvation. But not just that, we receive your very life through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that people in here tonight, that you would move and shift. God, that as we abandon, you would come into our world with power. I pray that as we worship, that this room would feel a shift that can only happen by the might of your spirit and by the power of your breath. I pray this in Jesus' name.